post-production by Mike Turpin, MET Studios. We wish to thank the Library of Congress for making the program possible. Funding is provided by the Sinipit Fund, by Avi Deshashani, by Sandy Jackson-Cohen, and the Anne Arundel Council for the Arts. I'm Grace Cavalieri. Mike Turpin is our engineer. And I'd like to tell you that you're listening to KBOO in Portland, Oregon, the station that I listen to when I'm in the area. Good morning and welcome to Film at 11 here on your community radio, KBOO Portland. As you know, KBOO is a volunteer-powered community platform, which means we are funded by you, the listener, and October is our traditional membership drive, so please think about becoming a member today. Today, in a Halloween spirit, Matthew of KBOO's Gremlin Time joins us to revisit the foundational zombie film, White Zombie, with Bela Lugosi. We're going to be taking a deep dive into that film. Tis now the very witching time of night, when churchyards yawn, and, and hell, hell itself breathes out contagion to this world. Now might we drink hot blood and do such deeds as hell itself quake to look on. I don't want the classic horror films anymore. Today it's all giant bucks, giant spiders, giant grasshoppers. Who would believe such nonsense? <laughs> The old ones were much spookier. They had castles, full moons. They were mythic. They had a poetry to them. Yes. And you know what else? The women... The women prefer the traditional monsters. The women? The pure horror, it both repels and attracts them. Because in their collective unconsciousness, they have the agony of childbirth. The blood. The blood is horror. You know, I never thought of that. You know, I'm here with Matthew of KBOO's Gremlin Time. Hey, folks. I hold in my hand a book that is 350 pages long by Gary Rhodes, published about 25 years ago. And that's by McFarland Press, I believe. And it's called White Zombie, Anatomy of a Horror Film. An amazing book. And those 300 pages, a good uh, portion of them are just the end notes, which back up the extensive detail that the authors have gone into, into the pre-production, the production with all sorts of special effects that were kind of very innovative at the time, the Gosey's involvement, the reception of the film by the critics and how much money it made, and then what happened to it afterwards. When was it re-shown and how did it end up on television and how was it overlooked? But still, it seems like 
Uh, people who saw it were very influenced by it, and you can see elements of this film in lots of later films, and they get into that too as well. This is a fantastic book, but Matthew, why don't you take a few moments to explain to our loyal listeners how could such an amazing book be written about a movie that many, even horror fans, have not heard of? Why does this movie merit such attention? Okay, so um, White Zombie, 1932, starring Bela Lugosi, was considered for a long time to be a lost film. We would just see the stills and like famous monsters of Filmland or the illustrated history of monster films, something like that. But actually, it was more lost in the shuffle. Being an independently produced movie, it didn't have a studio behind it to keep its rights up and to keep new prints being made. And so they just ended up falling into public domain. And so White Zombie would like be kicked around to be shown in revivals that made its way onto television. But through the years, the fans of it always found how it was, seemed to be a forerunner for many things in horror movies they would see in the later films, like the Val Luton films, but also being an independently produced movie, you can draw a direct line from it to movies like The Blob or Night of the Living Dead or Blood Feast or Blair Witch Project. And, you know, for fans of horror movies, you look at this movie compared to like Frankenstein and Dracula, this movie really seeped itself in a fantasy world of uh, evil wizards and mesmerists. Look! Zombies! Yes. They are my servants. In their lifetime, they were my animals. I go, the witch doctor. Once my master. Secrets? I tortured out of him. Mangelda, the swine, swollen with riches. He fought against my spells until the last. Even yes, I have trouble, Hyrus. His Excellency Richard. Once Minister of the Interior, Garcia, Brigand Chief, Marquis, Captain of Gendarmerie, and this, this is Chauvin, High Executioner, who almost executed me. I took them, just as we will take this one. The movie is called White Zombie, and it was released in 1932. What's it about? We've got a couple that arrive in Haiti. Why did you drive like that, you fool? We might have been killed. Worse than that, monsieur. We might have been caught. Caught? By whom? Those men you spoke to? They are not men, monsieur. They are dead bodies. Dead? Yes, monsieur. Zombie. The living dead. Officers taken from their graves were made to work sugar mill fields at night. Well, no, they don't arrive in Haiti. The man's already been working in Haiti, and he sent for his fiance. His name is Neil, and he has been working in Haiti in Port-au-Prince at a bank. And he has sent for his fiance to join him in Haiti. But on the voyage, she meets this uh, Mr. Beaumont. Uh. Uh, it's, uh, how long is it that you know Mr. Beaumont? Oh, only a few days. Uh, Madeline introduced him on the docks in Port-au-Prince. Uh, and you? I met him on the ship coming from New York. He was very kind during the voyage. Oh, Madeline and I planned to be married the moment she arrived. But Mr. Beaumont persuaded us to come here. 
He promised to take me out of the bank at Fort Hall Prince and send me to New York as his agent. It's all right, isn't it, Doctor? Oh, I guess so. You see, I... I've only met Mr. Beaumont once or twice. But he never struck me like a man that would take the trouble to play a fairy godfather to a young couple like you. Now, even by 1932 standards, much of this movie appears to be old-fashioned. Some of the performances are a little stilted. Uh, the music design, it's still in primitive days of how do we put music behind uh, movies. Uh, uh, King Kong was uh, still in the future, and there's a part where uh, when the, the movie's climactic action is going on, when the, uh, the and it's like an organist and is overplaying and making it overdramatic. And uh, at the time, it appeared to be old-fashioned even, which led to the, mu- the movie not being so uh, well-received. But the story still really comes through. This man, Beaumont, is really attracted to Madeline, and he is prepared to go to any lengths to uh, get her, even going to the evil murder Legree, who has the zombie sugarcane organization there on the other side of the island. I have been on a journey, seeking men for my milk. Men? They work faithfully. They are not worried about long hours. You, you could make good use of men like mine on your plantation. No. That's not what I want. Now in the scene just before this sit-down, Beaumont had passed through the sugarcane mill. And there's this very nice sequence of, of the slack-eyed uh, workers just trudging around. Even if one collapses, they just step over them, and the, grind, the wheels are grinding, and there's the shadows all over the place. And the sound of that continues uh, behind uh, this scene between the two characters. Now, one is certainly very romantic in his acting style, who even at the time was considered old-fashioned. But here, the uh, Lugosi is very smooth in this, and as a character, just is very comfortable being evil. Then perhaps you wish to talk about the young lady who came to your house this evening. You've seen her? Where? On the road tonight. There was a young man with her. They're to be married tonight. You've waited too long to do anything. What do you want me to do? If she were to disappear, for a month. What do you hope to gain by her disappearance? Everything. Everything. Do you think she will forget her lover in a month? Just give me a month. One little month. Not in a month. Not even a year. I have looked into her eyes. She is deep in love. But not with you. They're to be married within an hour. There must be a way. There is way. Uh, Beaumont approaches murder in order to enlist his aid in stealing the faking her death, basically, and stealing her away from her fiance. And this is like 12 minutes into the film that we get to this. The pacing in this movie is fantastic. It is. 
And there's some great visual effects that are very unique for the time and use of the optical printer. There's a point where these eyes are floating around the jungle and, and they finally they go into this man whose back is standing to us to establish that this is the man whose, whose vision is looking around the, the area. Very nice uh, use of visual elements to convey this idea. In fact, so much is conveyed visually through this movie. You can see why it had a good reputation being shown overseas and other places. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get into. So he goes to Le, to uh, murder Legree's uh, plantation. He goes into the sugarcane mill, and this is an amazing scene with this these men just zombies, you know, staring and doing the work. One even falls into the grinder, and nobody even stops working. And <laughs> and and so then. Uh, we have this amazing scene that is like out of Faust, where Lugosi's character is telling him, well, we're going to make her a zombie and then she'll be yours. And, you know, it's just this pact with the devil and a great performance by Lugosi. I understand that he played a similar character, a mesmerist who could like control other people. Um, uh, in a early German film that he had made when he had left Hungary and it was one of the oh. first movies he made in Berlin. So this character is kind of a revamp of that in some ways. It's totally different from Dracula. Right. And, and which makes this so, what a great performance is that he's just pure evil who loves doing evil. And he has these men who follow him around everywhere. And these were his enemies who he now controls. And here is a scene where he lists off who, who they are and what they have against him. But what if they regain their souls? They would tear me to pieces. That, my friend, shall never be. So basically, they slip a little bit of this potion into the woman's drink or into a flower that she smells. Mm. And then in an amazing sequence where first we, Lugosi is outside the house and he carves up a candle he takes out of a lantern into her figure. And then he puts her scarf that he'd stolen from her on the figure and then holds it in the flame of the other lamp just as the potion is taking effect on her. And this shows how it's taking her over. Um, Don't try it at home. No, no. Uh, and so the plot just moves along right from there. We get this very nice explanation sequence. There's superstitions in Haiti that the natives brought here from Africa. It's all handled in one uh, sweeping take of the camera. Some of them can be traced back as far as ancient Egypt. And beyond that yet, in the countries that was old when Egypt was young. Yes, but what has that to do with Madeline? I kissed her as she lay there in the coffin, and her lips were cold. And you're listening to Film at 11 here on Community Radio KBOO Portland. If you become a member today, you'll be helping us to maintain our vast catalog of episodes on the kboo.fm website. Now let's continue with more from Matthew on White Zombie. Throughout this film, there's lots of innovation. We really know who is where. There's some great split screen movements that really add to the plot. And so as a just pure cinema, this is a really great film that foretells uh, horror movies, not only with the Val Luton stuff, but in the late 50s when independent producers were making low-budget horror movies and making a lot of profits, which prompted 
Alfred Hitchcock to make Psycho with the television crew that he was using on his TV right. show instead of a full film crew. And because you could make a low budget film with an intense subject matter and make a lot of money on it. Now, this film was made by two brothers, one the producer director, the other the producer. And uh, they had been contemplating this subject matter because there had been some nonfiction books that were popular uh, a decade earlier. And I, there may have been one quasi-documentary fiction, nonfiction, silent movie on the subject of voodoo and zombies. But here they've fully embraced this frightening world, this mysterious world of the other. <laughs> Very much like a uh, pulp magazine story by Howard Philip Lovecraft or Clark Aston Smith. They really fought to get this movie made. They raised their own funds. And it's fascinating. Their, their background, which is fully explored in this book, White Zombie Anatomy of a Horror Film by uh, Gary Rhodes, is uh, really fascinating their subsequent career which i guess amounted to nothing but but eventually the film fell out of copyright as you were mentioning earlier and it became a late night staple particularly on the east coast and probably led in some way or another to move weird movies like zombies on broadway and i walked with a zombie the uh, val luden produced movie by jacques turner and then it wasn't until the 60s i guess when the whole concept of the zombie was totally transformed from its roots in the movie white zombie uh i want to just add parenthetically that there's a book by a anthropologist named wade davis called the serpent and the rainbow and it is his exploration of zombieism in Haiti. And he cracks the puzzle. You know, what? how are zombies made? Well, they're not, in reality, they're not really dead. They're given a potion that sonambulizes them. They just become like sleepwalkers. And zombieism was a form of folk law. In other words, while Papa Doc is running the rest of Haiti cruelly, Voodoo and witchcraft were ways for people in villages to find justice when they're abused by their fellows. It's a folk legal system that was underground. Depshot is that all of that was thrown by the wayside. It's even in the Wes Craven movie, The Serpent and the Rainbow, which completely reverses and destroys Wade Davis's extremely detailed and careful scientific study. So in any case, White Zombie is to in conclusion <laughs> white zombie is one of the few pure voodoo and zombie movies and very respectful to the people who live in haiti it's not making fun of them or mocking them no, or exaggerating no. them so this this film from 1932 is a real forerunner of where horror movie would movies would come from later the the big studios were a little bit reluctant to put these out. Certainly what uh, The Exorcist, that's from the late 60s or early 70s, as well, and then uh, Silence yeah, of the Lambs. Mid-70s for The Exorcist, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but uh, back in the 30s, even though it was considered the golden age of the monster movie, I don't think the studios really liked them. And uh, that's why I say whenever they could get re re not produce them, they did. 
Um, White Zombie comes out at the same time as Frankenstein and Dracula and Murders in the Rue Morgue from uh, Universal. Warner Brothers would do the Murder in the Wax Museum and Dr. X, more sort of mystery thrillers. Mm. Paramount, where um, Hal Purton would uh, end up at, um, was receptacle for this sort of thing. They they did um, Island of Lost Souls and uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But uh, this movie is just much more um, raw in its way. We've got really good special effects, but the story is very morbid. We have this man who wants to take this other man's wife for himself. And so he enlists the aid of this voodoo master. But then once they've got the woman under his spell, the voodoo master thinks, well, I want both of these people under my spell. <laughs> and so then he's poisoning the rich man to become a zombie and work for him. And then he wants, he has designs on the woman himself. Meanwhile, the hero has got to, you know, get some help and find out what's going on. And then they like set off to stop right. things. He, he needs a Van Helsing figure to help him along. Right. Now, this is one of the weak points of the film is the casting of this male lead. It, you, one thing that people always remember from like the mummy and Dracula and the black cat is the performance of uh, David Manners, who is very good as the male ingenue in these movies. But in this one, the actor uh, seems to be a little old fashioned in his acting style, but it sort of works because even though at the time it was considered a bit old fashioned, they hadn't quite figured out on mixing music into films, but this has a lot of music in it that drives the film. Well, and then uh, also it had an 11 day shooting schedule. So oh, man. once they were set with the actors, I don't, they, they were, they couldn't get out of it. And so yeah, they just move ahead with this actor, but being viewed today, since we kind of look at these old pre-code movies as being a little old-fashioned, this kind of, it all works in a way. Even when you've seen this in a kind of uh, bad print, the power of the movie comes through, and especially Lugosi's performance himself. As I said, pure evil. Whereas, you know, Dracula was just a kind of force of nature. That's just the way he was. Whereas this guy, oh, this is what he wants to do, and he loves doing it. And Frankenstein is a, a rather sad figure uh brooded about by a mad scientist you know uh so the halperins are actually the roger corman team uh, avant la lettre <laughs> but yeah yeah one of the uh key chapters in uh gary rhodes book white zombie anatomy of a horror film is his dissection of the various conflicting acting styles and i think that that's a, not only the quick pace of the filmmaking but also this transitional period from silent to sound yeah. and, and also indicating that Halperin was really more fascinated with the, the locale, the idea, and less concerned with the surface acting. He didn't care about that stuff as much, I'm guessing. He just wanted to get the, the, the story straight the characters moved around right and and allow for the special effects and to really unnerve the audience with uh, the various zombies who are probably the best actors in the movie. Yeah, but also there was like a great use of sets and location shooting. There's one scene like on the on a beach, which looks like the same beach that Errol Flynn and Basil Rathbone fought on in the movie 
Captain Blood from a couple mm-hmm. of years later. But we've got this amazing, uh, you know, pro- not so much a process shot, but I believe it was called a glass shot. You'd have a perspective painting uh, put near the lens and the background behind it, but you've set the angles up so it looks like this giant castle is sitting over this beach. Mm-hmm. And you can have people walking around in front of it and then on the side of it. And he really uses this composition really well. He works in a picture of the woman standing on a balcony and the hero reclined on the beach in the other corner of the film and this castle in the middle, uh, really attempting some really dynamic and innovative uh, compositions. Like I said, there's a scene with the eyes moving around and but just uh, regular conventional stuff. There's some nice wide shots uh, where the people where you really see the space between the people. Uh, there's one shot where it's all handled in just one take. There's a little bit of improvisation seems to be going on in the middle of it. But I think it's like you're in this sort of situation where you're cut for time. Everybody's doing a pretty competent job. You'll just push it through because, you know, you're dealing with uh, presentation and perception. And, you know, you get the whole thing finished and the audience will kind of fill things in. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, it takes about, oh, sometimes in the regular studio system, two months to put a movie together and here's Hoffman and Corbin coming along and saying hey it doesn't have to be that hard and indeed uh, with modern technology it's even less of a hassle to to make a feature you can just do one by yourself with uh, your phone and your friends but in any case uh, it because it's been out of copyright various bad 16 millimeter Prints of it have circulated in uh, companies and on television throughout the uh, 50s and 60s. But how would somebody go about watching White Zombie today or on Halloween? Well, it's pretty easy enough to get a very nice, clean print of it, or as clean as it can get, on YouTube, in fact. Um, I just got a disc from Film Detectives, and it's just it's got all sorts of sparkles and stuff, and it's like an old print. But uh, on YouTube, someone's posted some very nice prints. You know, I think last year I was talking about the film The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, yes. which we'd seen in film school and over and over. But it isn't until you see a really nice remastered print that you start to get oh, the yeah. full impact of what the filmmakers were doing. And in this, you really see the how the, the jungle sets are put together nicely to give a sort of enclosed feeling. And then he's reusing sets at Universal from the Dracula movies and the Frankenstein movies and a few other things, but nicely redone. Like in the Dracula movie, the staircase is on the right side. In this, it's now on the left side. There's a scene where the film kind of climaxes where they're on a sort of strange balustrade overlooking the ocean and the cliff. And you'll have a, and that's a set with a split screen when we see the wide shot. But then when characters approach the sort of edge of the cliff, we look straight at them in the studio. But then we have a reverse shot from behind them, and it's out on an actual cliff over the ocean. So a nice work of studio and location stuff throughout this uh, movie, White Zombie from 1932. Pick it up, uh, check it out on the YouTube. It's it really holds up over the years. In some ways, it's even though it has its weak points, uh, you know, Dracula has a lot of weak points in it as well. Yeah, um, 
this uh, for Lugosi, uh, this is probably his best role, his most evil incarnation, his expressions, his casualness, the way he treats other people, uh, especially here is this, uh, you know, it's a, the scene I play where he's describing the men that he controls now, how he's so casual on this. Yes. So a really good movie to watch on Halloween. It's going to be. And it's on. not that long. It's about an hour long. It, yeah. Find double bill with Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is also short or. Uh, some Island other, of Lost Souls. Island of Lost uh, Yes, exactly. Or even uh, Invasion of the... Uh, I, meant, I meant to say uh, Night of the Living Dead, where you can see this incredible contrast in uh, advancement and yet styles, and yet also uh, different moral tone and uh, different narrative strategies. Well, in any case... Well, once again, thank you, Matthew. And thank you for listening to Community Radio KBOO Portland. Film at 11 will be back next Friday, so until then, keep watching the screams. The women prefer the traditional monsters. FM and streaming on the web at kboo.fm.
could I get two of those zucchini, please? Sure. Anything else for you today? What is that over in the basket? Oh, honey, that is the organic, homegrown, more talk radio with Cecile Prescott and Celeste Carey. Wow, I'll take one. It is so great. Every Monday at 8 in the morning. How do I get more? Well, you can support programs like this with donations by going to kboo.fm slash give or texting KBOO to 44321. It is the fresh off the vine fall fun drive, so it's a great time to give. More talk radio sounds nutritious. I can't wait to try it. Oh, honey, you're going to love it.